Good evening and welcome, Crypt Keeper Nation. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 18. Don't forget to like, subscribe, follow, and most importantly, tell an enemy. You might just make a friend. I'm joined as always by my partner in crime and the only man I know who actually sells spirits. Ryan, what's the drink of choice for tonight at the loading bar? Oh. Ah, see, you thought I was going with like disembodied souls didn't you i didn't no, know where you were going spirits. you accused me of some very colorful things <laughs> uh the drink that we've the one we've been selling lately for in this like in the kind of in prime vacation season it was total drama island which is kind of like our take on a hurricane i guess um the one that's been selling lately is i actually don't know there are two there's one called aquatic ruin which is named after the Sonic Hedgehog stage. Okay. And then another one called the Rosalina, named after basically a clone of Princess Peach that wears blue. It's not as simple as that, but it's another princess from the Mario games who wears blue instead of pink. Um, but I see a lot of people with these blue drinks, and there are a lot of people starting to come in for some reason. <laughs> and it's particularly when they're coming in late, like midnight. They're like, give me that blue thing. Or some people are even saying, like, give me the blue motherfucker. Nice. To the point where one of one of my bartenders was like, how do you make a blue motherfucker? What is this? <laughs> we hope you guys and gals are enjoying the interview shows, and we've got a lot more planned. But what are we talking about tonight? Tonight we are talking about the Chicago Black site. Or the Homan? 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 The Homan Square... <laughs> It opened in 1999, right? Yeah. Yeah. The Homan Square facility is located in the Chicago metropolitan area. It opened in 1999, and it is a police department facility in a former Sears, Roebuck, and Company warehouse on the city's west side. The facility houses the department's evidence and recovered property section. In 2015, the facility gained worldwide notoriety when the American journalist Spencer Ackerman wrote a series of articles in The Guardian comparing it to a CAA black site. After publication, some activists described it as a secret torture site. In February of 20... Hold on, just I guess we should kind of say what a black site is. A CIA black site is basically... It's usually in another country where they can take witnesses, suspects, etc., and use means that are illegal in America to extract information. So it's if you have a terrorist, you go to like the Ukraine and they have a facility for you there to bring in this, you know, terrorist or, or whoever and you can do waterboarding you can do you know whatever kind of nasty disgusting uh torture that the cia 
employees and, and I'm sure there's plenty of things that are basically torture that that we don't know about but waterboarding I, I think everybody kind of knows about you basically put a cloth over somebody's face and keep pouring water on them and it makes them feel like they're drowning until you get them to tell you what you want them to tell you and I say want them to tell you because if you're getting tortured I mean everybody breaks eventually right mm-hmm. and they'll say right. whatever you want them to say to stop that feeling of being drowned or you know electric shocks or pulling fingernails off or whatever kind of nasty stuff they do but all right let's talk about the guardian series go ahead in february of 2015 journalist spencer ackerman published a series of articles in the guardian describing the facility as an off-the-books interrogation compound rendering americans unable to be found by family or attorneys while locked inside what lawyers say is the domestic equivalent of a CAA black site. Ackerman asserted that the Holman Square facility was the scene of secretive work by special police units, where the basic constitutional rights of poor black and brown Chicago City residents were violated. Ackerman asserted that Chicagoans who end up inside do not appear to have a public, searchable record entered into a database indicating where they are, as happens when someone is booked at a precinct. Lawyers and relatives insist there is no way of finding their whereabouts. Those lawyers who have attempted to gain access to Holman Square are most often turned away, even as their clients remain in custody inside. And that's absolutely unacceptable. We are born with rights in America, and one of them is the right to a lawyer. And it's one thing to even deny a phone call or delay a phone call or something like that but if you have a lawyer that's showing up and they are being blocked from communicating with their client i mean it's despicable and these are not terrorists they're getting people who you know like sell cocaine on the street or you know even weed or or, you know whatever and they're not getting representation and it's it's despicable but let's talk about nato 3. according to the chicago tribune ackerman series and much of the online activism against the home and square facility emerged initially as a response to several people who were arrested at the 2012 chicago summit who became known as the nato 3. Claims that the men had been disappeared emerged after Superintendent Gary McCarthy denied any arrests had been made while the men were being held at Holman Square. Lawyers for the NATO 3 challenged the handling of their clients at Holman Square and filed a motion for statements made at the facility to be withdrawn as trial evidence. The incident of the NATO 3 was a crucial moment for the development of Holman Square's reputation. And I would hope that the NATO 3 did get this thrown out because it's obtained illegally right i'm constantly amazed at the level of corruption in our law system and we don't talk about it a whole lot on here but when i was doing you know more exploring evil episodes i i just see all this you know withholding of evidence and stuff like that and it's just it's sickening i mean as a as an attorney as a uh, prosecutor like i think i've said before wouldn't you want 
to say I only sent guilty people to prison. Right. But no, they want their 97% conviction rate and don't give a shit about the people that they're putting in prison for like selling weed. Continuing on. Ackerman's characterization of the Homan Square facility as a black site was met with resistance by some defense attorneys and legal researchers in Chicago. According to University of Chicago law professor Craig Fuderman, the problems described in Ackerman's article were widespread throughout the city of Chicago rather than being particular to one facility. Oh, we don't want to paint with a broad brush. I mean, Obviously, this is the only site like this in America, right? It couldn't be more. Anyway, Futterman stated, If there's a risk, I think it's elevating this facility and making it look like there's a problem in one particular station as opposed to there's a broader systemic problem to people who are very vulnerable who are denied their basic fundamental constitutional right. Richard Dvorak, a longtime criminal defense attorney, also said he was unaware of any issues unique to Homan Square. He stated, quote, everything that was described in the Guardian story was something that happens every day. I think it's pretty systemic throughout Chicago's police department. Eliza Solowege, the executive director of First Defense Legal Aid, stated, quote, it's not just this facility, this is a citywide problem. And, of course, CPD responded. In response to the Guardian series, the Chicago Police Department denied any wrongdoing because everybody denies any wrongdoing until there's evidence. In a statement, the department stated, quote, CPD abides by all laws, rules, and guidelines pertaining to any interviews of suspects or witnesses at Homan Square or any other CPD facility. If lawyers have a client detained at Homan Square, just like any other facility, they are allowed to speak and visit them. It also houses CPD's Evidence Recovered Property section where the public can claim inventoried property. There are always records of anyone who was arrested by CPD, and this is not any different at Homan Square. So if someone just tells you this is all the records, are you going to believe them? I mean. We've, we've seen this played out so often, and it used to be commonplace for prisoners to get beaten until they said what they wanted to say. Right. Some Chicago defense attorneys, however, called this response, quote, laughable, with one stating, quote, the denial that the police spokesman made was way over the top and unjustified because we do know from those terrorism cases that there were abuses. Whether or not it's some black site plot, okay, I might be skeptical of that. And skepticism is fine. We invite skepticism, everybody should. But in this case, I don't know. So tell us about the Burge reparations. In 2015, as Chicago was experiencing activist pressure resulting from outrage over the Homan Square reporting and the murder of Laquan McDonald, the city, under Mayor Rahm Emanuel, announced a reparation deal for the 1970s survivors of torture and detention under former Chicago Police Commissioner John Burge. The deal included a $5.5 million fund for torture survivors, free city college tuition for survivors and their families, a memorial, and inclusion of their torture cases in 8th and 10th grade history courses in the Chicago School District. 
A coalition of Chicago activists, including Project NIA and We Charge Genocide, were major backers of the deal. Hey, my name is Ryan. And I'm pretty sure I'm Joe. And we are the hosts of Movie Hell, a podcast all about movies and pop culture. We're two buddies who talk about this stuff anyway and wanted to share our own madness with all of you. Yeah, we have these discussions anyway and rant and rave about movies, TV, and pop culture in general, so why not share it? The objective of Movie Hell is to bring you reviews and discussions of flops to avoid, new stuff to see, and hidden gems that might end up being your new favorite. Whether you're looking for that perfect movie for Friday night or wondering if anybody else found Mr. Nobody as unsettling as you did, I'm sure there's something for everyone to enjoy, and if not, let us know and we can always learn and improve. Ah, boy, do we have room to improve. You can listen to Movie Howl on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, and pretty much anywhere else fine podcasts are curated. Welcome back, listeners. Now we're going to be reading an excerpt from the In-Depth Guardian article by Spencer Ackerman. The Chicago Police Department operates an off-the-books interrogation compound, rendering Americans unable to be found by family or attorneys while locked inside what lawyers say is the domestic equivalent of a CAA black site. Vic Sutter said she was neither booked nor permitted a phone call during her interrogation in 2012. Held for hours at secret Chicago black site, you're a hostage, it's kidnapping. The facility, a nondescript warehouse on Chicago's west side known as Home and Square, has long been the scene of secretive work by special police units. Interviews with local attorneys and one protester who spent the better part of a day shackled in Home and Square describe operations that deny basic access to constitutional rights. Alleged police practices at Home and Square, according to those familiar with the facility who spoke out to the Guardian after its investigation into Chicago police abuse, include keeping arrestees out of official booking databases, beating by police resulting in head wounds, shackling for prolonged periods, denying attorneys access to the secure facility, holding people without legal counsel for between 12 and 24 hours, including people as young as 15. So before we go any further, you have to be given the right to an attorney immediately. And if you say, I want to speak to an attorney, the police have to stop everything until that attorney arrives and when you're 15 you have to have at the very least a guardian with you right and at least one man was found unresponsive in a home and square interview room and later pronounced dead brian jacob church a protester known as one of the nato three was held and questioned at home and square in 2012 following a police raid Officers restrained Church for the better part of a day, denying him access to an attorney before sending him to a nearby police station to be booked and charged. When somebody claims something like this, that is most likely not the first time it happened. You know, you you mentioned earlier um, a joke about someone saying like, oh, I've been shoplifting for 10 years. Well, when they get caught, it's usually not the first time. And, you know, the police department was kind of caught. And, you know, then they're saying like, oh, oh, wait, it was just these three that you know about. Oh, I know we denied it, you know, yesterday. But now that these three came out, we're saying, okay, yeah, maybe these three, but that's it. I promise. It's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. 
Holman Square is definitely an unusual place, Church told the Guardian. It brings to mind the interrogation facilities they use in the Middle East, also referred to as CIA black sites, which we mentioned earlier. But it's a domestic black site. When you go in, no one knows what's happened to you. The secretive warehouse is the latest example of Chicago police practices that echo the much-criticized detention abuses of the U.S. war on terrorism. While those abuses impacted people overseas, Holman Square, said to house military-style vehicles, interrogation cells, and even a cage, trains its focus on Americans, most often poor, black, and brown. Unlike a precinct, no one taken to Holman Square is booked. Witnesses, suspects, or other Chicagoans who end up inside do not appear to have a public searchable record entered into a database indicating where they are, as happens when someone is booked at a precinct. Lawyers and relatives insist there is no way of finding their whereabouts. Those lawyers who have attempted to gain access to Home and Square are most often turned away even as their clients remain in custody inside. More than 80% of the thousands held at the Chicago's police black site were black. That's according to Harrison Jacobs at BusinessInsider.com. Or, according to Harrison Jacobs at BusinessInsider.com, Arrest records reveal that 82% of the more than 3,500 Americans detained at a secret police facility in Chicago over the past decade were black. Is that surprising? Not particularly, no. When they finally get out, they don't have, you know, $25,000 to retain a good attorney that is going to investigate. And often attorneys that say, hey, we'll do it for you know, 50% of whatever you make are shady themselves and probably not necessarily the best attorneys, in my opinion. According to the 2010 census, Chicago's population is 32% non-Hispanic white, 33% black, and 29% Hispanic, of which 13% identify as racially white. The records obtained through a Freedom of Information Act request showed that those held at the facility were disproportionately minority citizens who were accused of drug possession. Possession, people. These, this guy could have been caught smoking a joint and was thrown in a black site. That's mm-hmm. crazy. Some, however, were held for infractions as minor as traffic violations and public urination. Additionally, most of the arrests have happened while Mayor Rahm Emanuel has been in office. Emanuel has unequivocally denied any wrongdoing at the Holman facility. That's not true. We follow all the rules. Everything's done by the books, Emanuel told Chicago Tonight about the report. Wow, a supremely blue city systemically targeting minorities. How could this be? Final thoughts. What do you think? I mean, it all sounds plausible. Uh, it reminds me a little bit of this book I read a long to, like a pretty long time ago called The Detroit Electric Scheme. Mm-hmm. And it's, I think, partially based on real historical events. I don't know how much of it is supposed to be true, but it involves a murder and the way, because this is all like super early 1900s. It's a lot like this. Uh-huh. Like the guy that you're following is taken in as a suspect and like beaten and not allowed to talk to anybody like they keep moving him from place to place and it's just horrific sounding Mm -hmm. and it would not surprise me at all to learn that 
that kind of thing is still happening. Whether it's at this site or somewhere else, or it's some maybe combination of rules that are being exploited, like, I don't know. I, I don't know any of the regulations, but I could see there being, you know, some kind of loophole, like, oh, you have to book them or report their location if they're in this place for this amount of time, so every so often they just move them to a different cell or a different building or whatever yeah. it is that they need to do. and just It's despicable. Yeah, just keep them out of the system, because that's kind of what happened in this story a little bit, if I'm remembering it right. Like, they would... I don't want to get too far into that, but no, I would not at all be surprised about this. I'm not even really that surprised about the whole uh, just drug possession thing. Yeah. Because I've long felt that that was one of the biggest problems we had, was you punish instead of treat people yeah. who have addiction problems. Well, um, and if someone is smoking a joint, it doesn't mean they have a drug problem. Well, no, no. But yeah, and I know it, that's not what you're saying. I just mean, I'm just throwing that out there. Right. Yeah. No, you're right. But even just a joint now, like it's it's legal in Illinois recreationally now. Yeah. No, in Missouri, if you have your in Missouri, if you have your green card, you can be driving down the street with your gun and your weed in your center console, and cops can't do shit. Yeah, it's just so odd that in Illinois now it's legal. You can mm -hmm. just, like, you can do whatever you want. I've never felt like weed should be criminalized. Yeah, it's not the same as crack and heroin, which is one of the things, I, I don't know if I've mentioned this, but my dad uh, was a police officer who taught D.A.R.E., which is a uh, drug abuse resistance education, and they treated marijuana and alcohol the same as heroin and crack, and he stopped. He stopped teaching it. He's like, this is ridiculous. These kids are being taught that smoking a joint is the same as shooting heroin but let's be honest that's two completely different things they're not even on the same spectrum and they found that kids who went through the dare program i guess graduated to hard drugs like five times quicker than people who had never gone through the program yeah that's not surprising i don't know for sure but as much as I hate to say it, a lot of times I believe the alleged criminal, which is what these people are, they're alleged criminals. They're, and some of them may have criminal records or whatever, but what they're being brought in for are alleged crimes. They're not guilty of it because it's never been through court. So you're bringing people in that are alleged to have done something wrong and you're basically torturing them until they admit to it or if your goal is to you know move up the food chain and get the bigger drug dealers probably the guy who spent the rest of his paycheck on a blunt is not going to be the guy that's going to get you to the drug lord right or maybe that would lead back to the people who are putting them in the black site to begin with. And I don't necessarily mean cops, but the government in general. I mean, we know that all kinds of stuff was being flown into Arkansas under Bill Clinton. And he came out, I'm going to be tough on crime. I'm going to continue to fight this drug war. And it's like, I don't know. I feel like they're shooting themselves in the foot. Shouldn't they just let the drugs run wild? <laughs> I mean, that's how it used to be, isn't it? Yeah. Like, you could just kind of have whatever you wanted, and I don't know, maybe that's sort of 
I mean, maybe it's better in some ways to be a little bit looser so that if you do have a problem, it's easier to get help. Yeah. But also, it's not a good idea to have, like, <clears throat> Adderall, which is essentially meth, mm-hmm. on just a Walgreens shelf where some kid could grab it. Right. You know? Like, who knows what would happen? I actually don't know. Maybe mm-hmm. if maybe if a little child ate a whole bottle of Adderall, it would, like, suddenly gain the mental capacity of, like, a 35-year-old. <laughs> like, temporarily, for, like, an hour. <laughs> but... Odds are it would just be it would make them super sick. Yeah. What or if they're super ADHD, they'd be calm and relaxed. What was the Bradley Cooper movie where he was oh, taking something like Adderall? Limitless. Yeah, that was a great movie. That was a pretty good movie. Yeah. I believe wholeheartedly that this took place may still be taking place and is taking place throughout our country and throughout the world because what happens is what we talked about oh we'll give you a college scholarship and some money and keep Mm. doing it and we talk about these companies that they find that it's cheaper to just pay the people off that are affected by it than it is to actually change things and make it right and that's really sad I don't know. We we see people in the 80s when the ghettos were flooded with crack. Oh, well, you get caught with a rock three times, you go to prison for the rest of your life. Boom. All of a sudden, a whole generation of African Americans has no men in their lives. And that's generalizing. I'm not saying that, you know, all crack abusers were black or that um, they were the target of that flooding and trying to get them in prison and it's it's sad it's really sad and i believe it still goes on all the time and guys we're putting the truth out there ryan and i could be taken to a black site too so if you don't hear from us check out the homing facility either there or wherever your local bigfoot tribe is camped out mm-hmm. they could get us too <laughs> that's true <laughs> I don't doubt that it's real interesting that so many of the people detained there are non-white. Mm-hmm. And it's just interesting from the perspective of somebody who went through a master's program that focused heavily on statistics. Because mm-hmm. it's like, there there are essentially two possibilities here. Either it's specifically targeting certain racial groups, or, or the type of criminal it's going after is... It's just statistically more likely that they are, you know, whatever whatever racial makeup tends right. to be in there more often. Sure. So it's just, it's, I don't know. Like there's less rich white people that are going to be taken there for some of these minor violations. Well, I mean, there's going to be about. poorer white people too. I right. mean, in, in, in studies of sort of behavior and class and things like that, people generally are much more similar along economic lines than racial lines. Absolutely. A poor white person and a poor black person are much more similar to each other mm-hmm. than a very wealthy black person and a very poor black person. Right. Like they're going to have similar, you know, two poor people are going to have similar life experiences and have right. gone through a lot of the same things. Whereas two wealthy people will probably have a similar um, sort of common background. Right. But yeah, it makes me wonder what kind of people they're specifically going after. Because you would think a black site would be where you'd take somebody who's like a white-collar type criminal, where it's like 
they're like too dangerous or a high level criminal not not this low level yeah 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 they're too dangerous to be put in a regular prison because they'll bribe somebody they've got connections like whatever's going to happen but yeah people who are going in for drug possession come on it's unacceptable and and i wish they got a ton more money and i wish them all the success in life because that's bullshit and these are people who don't have people to stand up for them because they don't have you know cash flow that can just retain an attorney or you know like you were saying pay somebody off or whatever because i mean honestly if they're illegally bringing people to black sites to torture them i mean obviously they have no ethics so you could be like hey i don't know man fifteen twenty thousand dollars can be in your bank account tomorrow if you forget i was ever here sure no problem right and it's pretty hard to prove anything Mm -hmm. about something like this when you can't get any evidence out Mm -hmm. i mean it's like uh somebody was telling me the other day that they had a family member whose car was broken into when Mm -hmm. i say broken into i mean they left their doors unlocked and somebody let themselves in and helped themselves to whatever they had in their car car shopping and when they called the police they were like cops are like there's not really anything we can do mm-hmm. like that you left the car unlocked so there's no you know real evidence that anything was broken into or anything happened you know what i mean oh like absolutely. they have to have pretty solid proof of whatever was going on so if they're you know i don't know if they're just too sneaky like they were i don't i don't even know what kind of evidence you would have to have to take somebody to court on something like yeah this. right right to like bring this down Well, I'm sure it's still going on. So keep your head up and keep your eyes peeled because you never know. Mm. A little traffic violation, you could end up at a black site. Yeah, there's some really wild stuff that happens. I mean, things just can get so out of hand for all kinds of reasons. Uh, I was talking to you before about that podcast called The Secret Room. And one of the episodes that I was listening to just recently was a soldier... Um, I, it, he never says exactly what time frame, but he mentions the Obama administration. Mm-hmm. But he was in the army. He was stationed in South Korea. And he was talking about like a basic, you know, he had a leg injury and he was healed up. He was allowed to go out. He was off crutches. They were in a cab and stuff went down and there was this big fight. Essentially, it all boils down to like when they stopped, one of the guys like slapped down the cash on the armrest in the on like the center console mm-hmm. and the cab driver didn't realize it was there mm-hmm. so when they all got out he like was yelling at him and coming at him because he thought they were trying to skip out mm-hmm. and they were like trying to tell him to calm down and stuff but it wound up turning into this fight and people filmed it with their cell phones and it just got blown up into this thing where the military had to investigate and they were told that everything was resolved from the perspective of the cab driver and the Korean government and everything. And then mm-hmm. more attorneys came in and said, no, the Republic of Korea is like, is coming after you now mm-hmm. doing their own investigation. And they had like all this footage where they had clipped out all the points where they had tried to stop the fight and only left in the parts where like the American soldiers are hitting this guy. Yep. And then, you know, like one of them's thrown in a jail cell and he's like six foot four or whatever. And it's in Korea, so he, like, can't even stand up in it. Yeah. And just, yeah. like, all these unbelievable things that are happening over something as simple as the cabbie didn't see them put the money on his on the center console. Mm-hmm. 
like four people got kicked out of the military like a u.s senator had to get involved like one of them was basically imprisoned on the like in his barracks for like nine months it's ridiculous it's ridiculous the stuff that can happen just because things get twisted and reacted to and blown out out of proportion in such unpredictable ways sometimes well all it takes is one bad day right that's right I've demonstrated there's no difference between me and everyone else. All it takes is one bad day. Well, that's all we've got for you tonight on Cryptique. Thanks in advance for liking the show and telling someone else about us. We bring you this for free, so please spread the word. We've got the Rendlesham UFO incident coming up, as well as Corpsewood and the infamous Piasol monster, along with loads of fun interviews. And one thing that I really think you guys will be interested in, check out Movie Howl and Happy Nightmares, mofo. <laughs> Boom. Whoa.